Hello, I'm Mary Spicer and thank you for joining me for another episode of Behind Fashion. In this unprecedented time, the fashion industry, like so many other industries, is in distress. I created this show so that we could come together and discuss the future of fashion and where that might be going in a collaborative and meaningful manner. Over the next few weeks, I'll be introducing you to many people behind the scenes in fashion. During um, my interview today, my son Hayden is going to give me questions that you send to us and I will ask them at the end. Don't worry if I don't get to your question because I will reply within a timely manner, the answer. With a virus that discourages the gathering of people, the touching of clothing, what does the future hold for fashion shows and the industry? And how are our roles changing? I look forward to collaborating and sharing our ideas and journeys as we move forward in the new world. Today, it is my great pleasure to introduce to you Kathy Young as we get behind the runway. Hello. Kathy was born and raised in Indiana. In third grade, she was making her own clothing, sewing it. And by fifth grade, she was designing that clothing. When she was given a very small clothing budget, she started to mix and match, accessorize, and get really creative, which is all the tools that you need in fashion. She knew that she wanted to be a model or a designer. Upon going to Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon, she was in for music and theater majors. During her time at college, she was a seamstress for the theater costume department. Upon graduation, Kathy went to San Francisco to model. She quickly realized that she wasn't as much of a fashion model as she was a commercial model. And luckily, her size six foot was perfect as it was a sample size for shoes. And she became a parts model. And that was something newer. So she was um, showing shoes and various areas. I think most models at that point weren't really considered parts models. And then she was also doing commercial print. On photo shoots, shooting editorials and advertising, she was introduced to the business of photography, styling and art direction. With all of that knowledge and after three years, she moved to New York. Upon arrival, she had more um, opportunities for modeling. She was starting to do on 7th Avenue, um, uh, showroom modeling, fit modeling, but people quickly realized that Kathy had a lot of background in clothing construction and also she was very good at public speaking. So she was hired as a commentator for a fashion show. And not only that, she pulled all of the clothing for it. And that launched another 20 year career for her. So not only as a model, but now moving into production working with magazines, retailers, charities, trade organizations, and of course, designers and Fashion Week. Kathy's focus and expertise lies in runway styling, live event production, and fashion show coordination. Kathy is a contributing senior fashion editor for Anna Lee Magazine, Nordstrom, W Magazine, World Gold Council, Cho Chang, Neiman Marcus, and Bloomingdale's are all just a few of Kathy's clients. Welcome, Kathy, and thank you so much for joining me and our audience today. 
Thanks, Mary. It's great to be here. <laughs> I know it's not as early where you are. You're in New York, but I did make you some tea. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It's You're never welcome. too late for tea. <laughs> and I know you love tea as well as I do, and it really helps us through Fashion Week. And yeah. I don't think we even really got into all of your background. Um, we just kind of skimmed the surface, really. But what I'd like to do is I'd, I'd like you to briefly describe what it is that you do behind fashion. Well, I'm basically the clothing person, whether I'm the stylist or I'm working with an editorial or celebrity stylist as the collection coordinator. And that would be the person who basically is just responsible for that clothing. They have their hands on it in all processes and they, and they keep it organized. Um, so I'm the clothing person. I'm the one that's going to be backstage with the models. I'm not going to be out front. When I started, you had to do everything. So I do do that job function as well. But the majority of the time, I'm the fashion clothing person, working with the designer or working with the retailer. And can you give us an overview why do we have fashion shows and how they're put together? <laughs> okay, that, it's kind of a long answer, but sure. Um, fashion shows in general are a sales tool. It's a way for a designer to present their collection to their buyers, the people that would be buying that. And it's not you, the, the direct consumer, it's industry people. And a retail, what I call a retail or consumer fashion show is a sales tool, a way for a store or a boutique to sell the clothing that they have right there to you. A show enables everyone to see that garment and how it fits and how it flows and how it moves. You know, you've probably heard that expression, it has hanger appeal or it has no hanger appeal. So many garments when they're hanging on a hanger just look terrible. They, they're just, you know, they're just hanging there looking awful. So, um, a few garments do have hanger appeal, but most of them don't. So putting it on the body is an amazing way to sell clothing. You see it in a catalog shoot, you see it in online, um, you know, buying online. Everything's photographed on a form or, or on a body. Now the thing about a show, and let's get behind the nitty gritty, as simple or as small as they are, they're not. They're complicated. A, a, good, a good friend and associate of mine who Full disclosure, Mary and I work with Judy all the time, but Judy Rice of Judith Rice and Associates said to me years and years ago, we've probably collaborated on things for 30 years. She said, there's no such thing as a small show. And it is so true. So in addition to, of course, the obvious, you have the models, you have to have clothing that comes from somewhere, whether it's a designer show and you're getting their collection or um, it's a retail consumer show and you're going to a store or a boutique, the clothing has to come from somewhere. But you also have, of course, the runway, the lights, the sound system, the music that plays on the sound system. So you have a production company that's building the runway or setting it up. You have, sometimes it's the same team, sometimes it's a special lighting team that's putting in lighting. The same with the sound equipment. And then you have music that's been curated specifically for this fashion show by a DJ who is usually an expert in fashion and fashion work. Um, getting front of house when you, you need to get an audience somehow. So that's PR or publicity. Somebody has to send out an invitation or an email or a blast and invite the people who's going to be in charge of getting them into seats. 
um, unless it's a virtual show, and then you can ignore the the in-person uh, audience, but you still need to distribute the information after the fact to somebody. So there's always press or publicity or PR involved in that. Okay, now it gets to me and it gets to what you do too. Um, I am the clothing person. So if I'm styling the show, I'm either working with the designer or working with the retailer, and I'm literally picking out the garments that I want, that I think are the strongest, the most current, the freshest to send out on that runway that create a story. You know, a designer's inspired. They're inspired by fabric that they see, by a movie they saw, just by the sign of the times. Um, you noticed how many uh, environmentally correct collections were starting to come out um, pre-COVID, and, and they'll continue, of course, uh, just because we are, you know, in such a crisis with, with the planet and with global warming. But designers respond. They respond to the world around them. Now, they design more than just what you see on the runway. They might have, let's say they do sportswear, they might have 10 different pants and 12 skirts and eight blouses and eight sweaters and a couple jackets. And, you know, a dress might go out by itself. It doesn't need to be partnered or put together as an outfit. But typically the stylist will work with that designer and make outfits and decide the order with the designer that these garments should go in. Um, that stylist is in touch with everything else going on in the fashion world. If they're editorial, they're out working on magazines that put things out six months in advance. So, so they have an inside scoop. So they've got, um, they've got all this stuff and they, and they edit it down. Um, it's same thing if it's a retail show, you've got an entire store or boutique full of clothing. So what's the theme of the show? Maybe it's a holiday show and you're only showing cocktail dresses and, you know, cozy up by the, by the Christmas tree, Christmas day kind of clothing. <laughs> you know, maybe it's, well, usually it's trend, fashion trend for the season. It's a spring or a fall show, um, but there's a theme almost always. So, so once you get to that, then somebody is in charge of that clothing. It, if I become the collection coordinator and I'm working with another stylist, then that would be me again, where I'm getting that clothing over to the alterations team during that model fitting. Yes, models come in in advance prior to the show. Um, they come in three times, really. They come in for a casting. They'll come in for, once they're cast, for a fitting. It's the garments put on them in advance and there is a team that will pin it and take alterations and, and make it fit her perfectly. Uh, that clothing moves around a lot. It sits on a rolling rack usually, but it then has to be prepped and steamed when it, that's all done. And then it has to be packed in garment bags, unpacked when you get to the venue. It, it, there's a lot of movement of all that clothing, as we all know. And there's accessories that go with it, the shoes and the, you know, the scarf and whatever it is that's been put together with that outfit. So it all stays together, organized as a look as we call it. So it's look one or look 25. It's all organized with the number and notes for the dresser, which gets us backstage. We have dressers, those models. Um, you know, a show goes pretty fast. You sometimes have one model per look. You usually don't. Um, it, it has its pros and cons, but let's say there's 40 looks in a show. Most likely you'll, you'll hire somewhere around 20 models. And it has to do with how much time that model has between the first time she goes out, she changes, and then the second time she goes out. In theory, 20 models, she'd be 20 looks apart. In reality, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, depending on how that works out. So 
she might be 12 looks apart. She might be 25 looks apart. She might be eight looks apart, but it's a very fast change no matter how you slice it. It's like a minute and a half, two and a half minutes, sometimes a minute. So you have to have a dresser back there helping each model, getting them zipped in and out of their shoes, etc. I'm gonna check my, oh, hair and makeup. Now that doesn't just happen overnight either. They don't just show up backstage. So somebody comes in while the collection is being fit and put together a lead from the hair team, the makeup team, and um, they work with the stylist and the designer and the creative team to create a makeup and hair look that complements the collection. Let's say it's a vintage 40s inspired theme, movie inspired from a 1940s movie. So maybe you're gonna go with a very red lip, you're gonna go with a hair that's got a, a touch of a 40s feel to it uh, and, and no eyeliner. What if it's 60s inspired? Maybe it's a very heavy eyeliner and a very pale lip. All of that is tested in advance and they make a decision and then the day of the show there's a giant hair and makeup team that comes in. There's a production team. Mary and I work together a lot on, on that as well where you got to get the models organized on the runway for a rehearsal. You got to get them lined up during the show. That's the group. And then the, the lead of that, there's a director out front who's cueing the models and cueing the music and cueing the lights. Um, catering, really important catering. There's a lot of people backstage. And if they don't get to eat, because <laughs> it's, it's usually uh, during fashion week, it's a four hour call. You have to be 100% prepared. You move into the venue. You have venue managers who tell you what to do. Um, you get your collection out, unpacked, the models are in hair and makeup, you quickly rehearse them, you do the show, you quickly pack up, and you are in and out in four hours. Um, a charity show, a retail show is probably even faster because you're on the floor of the store sometimes, so, you know, that's two-hour turnaround. Um, but if it's a charity show and you're in a hotel, maybe you have a day, maybe, you know, you've got the venue. Usually it's in a space that you don't own, you don't have it 100% of the time, even if it's a designer's showroom they have people that work there that do sales and need to make the collection so you, they can't just give over all their space so it's a very tight turnaround it's it's live production it's like the theater and it's interesting but that's why most people that work on this end of it started in theater they understand live production the show must go on and you can't stop the camera and say oh wait 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 we have to start over once it starts it goes um, so I don't know, Mary, what did I forget? Did I miss anything? Let me check my notes. Oh, photography, video. We have um, all those pictures that you guys now see online. So a photographer has to take those. A videographer has to um, take that video so it can play over and over on YouTube. Uh, and it's a very large, large group of people. So again, there are no small shows. <laughs> yeah. And can you explain to me, I know I'm kind of going in a different direction, but why are the models so tall and thin? Ah, okay. So that actually, that's a business decision. And they're not tall and thin when you're talking about a consumer show. And people are confused these days. They see what's going on during fashion week. And because they now have all access all the time, you know, that's a trade show. That started as a closed format. Only buyers were invited, only editors, only, uh, you know, editorial stylists would come. It wasn't open to the public. There was a point in time when um, Full Frontal, a TV cable show started, and they just ran the shows 24-7 that 
all of a sudden the public could watch. But they, they never came, they never got in, they didn't know what was going on. It was left up to the department store buyer to decide what their customer at Macy's or Bloomingdale's or Saks or Neiman Marcus or their boutiques, what their customer in their region would like and would want to buy. So that buyer bought directly from the designer for the customer. A customer fashion show is a retail show or a charity show and you can go and buy that clothing immediately. It's already in the store. Those shows have I call it one of everything. They have a junior model, they have a missy model, they have a mature model. So, you know, you've got you've got daughter, mom and grandma, you've got a, a plus size, you've got a a curvy girl, you've got a petite girl, you've got you, you just have, you know, 10 or 12 or 15 or 20 models, but it's very diverse in the body shape and the age because they are selling those clothes are available directly to the consumer. Getting back to the designer show, they make one sample. They're showing those samples to their potential buyers, which is mainly the stores. They don't make that garment in five or eight different sizes. They have a pattern with a pattern size, which is specced to, to basically fit a zero, two, or a four. Um, mm -hmm. Showroom samples are a little bigger. They're usually a six or an eight, but they're only making one size two. And as we all know, there's a certain proportion that looks best in, in a variety of different arenas. So like shoes, everybody thinks those baby shoes, you know, those little tiny baby shoes, they're so adorable and they're so cute. They are because they're so tiny. Um, all babies and even baby animals are considered so adorable because they have very big eyes in proportion to their, their head, their face. It hasn't, you know, gotten bigger yet. So, oh, that's so cute. So when it comes to garments, um, Da Vinci had this perfect proportion for the human body. It was eight human heads. So it's uh, one, two, three, four, which went to um, uh, basically the bottom of the torso and then four heads for your legs. A lot of designers are sketching with 10 heads instead because they love that elongated look. And that elongated look is that proportion that to us, to our eye looks really fabulous. They want to see, so that, like they're sketching legs that are t six heads instead of four, you know, but they want to see on the runway what they've sketched. They want that beautiful elongated look. And that very tall, lean girl that's very straight up and down pretty much looks good in everything. And they don't have the resources to make a sample in all different sizes in all different proportions. And a, a buyer's going to know a strapless gown goes on a curvier girl. It just looks better. Um, and, you know, and, and something that's very tailored usually looks better on somebody with broader shoulders, a, a tailored jacket or fur coat. And something, um, let's say a button down blouse usually does not do well on a, on, a, on a bustier female, but better on a flat chested female, simply because the buttons, you know, are popping open. So, but on the runway, they just need one body type that's gonna be able to wear everything and look good and get down that runway and get back and showcase that clothing in the best way possible. You know, the, the other examples I like to get, cause it's so emotional for people and I, I try to explain, it's not personal. <laughs> it, this isn't really meant for you to be seeing right now because they haven't even decided if they're gonna manufacture this garment. But I don't, I don't think people who love to play basketball, if they're not, you know, six foot, six or taller, I don't think they expect to play center. They'd love to play center, but you know, it, it, it's not a discrimination against you. It's just that that taller, taller body is better for that job function. Uh, another example I'd like to give is if you have a, 
a, a paper, a piece of paper, you roll it up like a cylinder, uh, you know, maybe that's the design that the designer made. It's just straight up and down. But all of a sudden you put an hourglass underneath that piece of paper and it starts to go like that. Now there's nothing wrong with that if that's what the designer designed, but they want their garment to stand out like they designed it. So what you put underneath that garment is pretty neutral. And that's that tall lean body. Sorry, long way to a short answer. <laughs> You know, it is a touchy subject. It's very personal. It's, it's been, I think, discussed a lot in recent years. And it was just so important to hear um, your reply on that because it really is not um, anything personal. And as you said, those shows, it's really for the buyers. It's, it's not, it's only recent that everybody sees it. Right, right. And, and now the celebrity stylists like to grab the samples, but a very good friend of mine who works in LA, who's a celebrity stylist says, oh yeah, we take that New York runway sample and we um, take in the waist and we chop off about 10, 12 inches. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it is considered a runway sample, which by definition means it's on that woman with those really elongated legs and has that amazing walk, which is another part of the equation. It needs to be on a model that can walk. Right. Well, okay, I know we're running out of time-ish, not real, you know, just keeping an eye on it. Um, I have another quick question. With the COVID virus, do you anticipate fashion shows will move to a smaller budget? Oh, gosh, yes. Um, I wish I had a crystal ball and I knew exactly what was going to happen, but no one's been able to sell. Clothing stores have been closed down except for the essential services like the Targets and the Walmarts that were able to stay open because they had groceries. But no one's been taking deliveries because they haven't been open. No one's been paying bills. Um, so I think people will still need to show their collection. I think a lot will go to virtual, as we've already discussed. I think a lot will um, be whatever they can manage. They may not even have their collections ready in time because who knows what about fabric deliveries. But I, I think budgets will be slashed at least for the next um, season or three. Right. Okay, I have a quick question, Hayden, you gave me. Um, thank you, my son Hayden is helping me. And so he brings the questions from uh, the inter, uh, to the interviewer, to us, um, from guests. And I have one, it says, can you please explain the difference between a vendor and a designer? And I got that ahead of time. And I feel like we went into that um, with our discussion of um, anyone at Fashion Week showing at a retail show. Typically a, a vendor, uh, they, a brand, uh, it, it's much, much larger. And not that a designer can't be a brand as well, but. Typically, it's, there's many, many designers that work on the team. Someone's doing accessory. And again, this could be the same for a designer brand, but it's also the level, the quality of the product, the price point, where it's placed within a store. Um, if you walk into any department store, all those different departments have to do with uh, a, a look and a price point and a, um, a level of, of design. So designer is consider, considered the, the, the top of the line and there's an individual person behind that collection who's actually designing that look. Right. That. Okay. And then is the, okay. So is there a, let me see if I can say this in a better way. Uh, 
Is there a single issue that continues to come up when handling a designer collection? Like, is there one area when you're dealing with the designer collection, I think what they're saying, a single sticking point is what they said. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what they're asking, a single sticking point. Um, like if there's a, a difficult well, there's situation, I imagine. So two, two, two completely opposite answers, but one would be usually they don't want to edit. Most designers, every piece that they've created is their baby. And we know that if you made a blouse that has sleeves and then you made the exact same blouse without sleeves, that we don't need to send both down the runway. Everybody understands you can make it both ways. You have a, you have a variation on a theme, but so many designers are just in love with absolutely, they're, they're children and they don't want to edit. So that might be the answer. The other thought I had was, if there's a sticking point in terms of a show, it's always a truck or a shoe. Never has to do with the clothing. But it's always about a truck issue that doesn't show or that's late or that's early or a pair of shoes that don't fit, can't get them on, they broke, they can't walk in them, something. Oh, and those, those make up the stories of our lives. Yes. The rest of the questions I, I, we're going to have to get back to later because I just want to make sure that we stay um, on time with this show. I, I like to respect everyone's time. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. And I, I would like you to come back again, by the way, because I know we haven't even really dug into everything that you do and your knowledge. Well, my pleasure. And it was a pleasure being here. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Kathy. And thank you to everyone for attending this week's Behind Fashion with guest Kathy Young. Kathy Young's website is www.kathyyoung.com. Com. Next week, I'll be joined by Emily Suarez speaking to us from Puerto Rico. She's a bilingual collection handler and production member with some international experience. And I hope you can all join me next time. It's uh, Wednesday, June 3rd, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, new, noon East Coast and Puerto Rico, as well as 9 a.m. in California. This conversation has been recorded and a link has been sent, will be sent to you in a few days. <laughs> Thank you all. Have a wonderful day.